Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, Undying Light listeners. I am your host, Pastor Alex, back at it once again with another new episode, and I'm fairly excited to continue this series. I, I absolutely love recording out of the New Testament. It's easily one of my favorite things to do on top of uh, having the uh, responsibility, if you would, to record uh, a gospel and work through that account with you. And we will be taking this one chapter at a time as we have uh, have been focused on doing so in the last um, number of episodes that we've done all throughout the Old Testament. And, and interestingly enough, I was uh, talking with one of the uh, congregants in my church last week, and I was showing this person uh, the, the podcast. And I said, you know, if you're looking for a place to start, where would I put you? And they didn't care for any of the eschatology. They didn't want the doom and gloom stuff. And so I'm like, okay, well, we started, uh, we kind of, the song is Solomon, I think. And I'm trying to remember back now to, to the order of the shows. But we've gone through, I think we did that as our first one in the, in the least of these series that we did. And then we we worked through a whole bunch of Old Testament uh, books. We went through a ton of the minor prophets, and now we are working through a gospel account. And so we kind of transitioned, uh, changed the series up a little bit. It is the Gospel of Matthew, and that is our duty going forward. And uh, if you listened last week's episode, it was Luke chapter 2, and so we paired that uh, well up with Matthew because the goal was to uh, in to to work through well it was Luke one I, my apologies Luke one and uh, and then and then two so we we touched base on Luke one and then went into chapter two and worked ourselves all the way up to verse twenty one that was last week and the reason we did that was because we wanted to. Um, we wanted to touch base on 
the birth from Luke's perspective as well as Matthew's. And so now we will actually see a little bit more of that here in uh, the second chapter of Matthew. And uh, as always, if you're interested, I just got done recording and it's been available by the time this episode airs now, uh, about a week and a half, uh, for the patrons, an exclusive episode on the Age of Accountability. And so we'll be doing those types of things here and there, uh, doing bonus episodes for patrons, and we will be doing uh, random sort of projects, if you would, uh, for them. But most of that will come here at the end of the year uh, as I wrap up my master's. So leaning hard into finishing school. But if you're interested in joining and supporting this ministry, please do so. You can do it for as little as a dollar a month. And you get so much content. You get weekly Bible studies, sermon notes, bonus episodes, early release episodes, any other work that I'm doing for school. All of it comes to you for as little as a dollar a month or $10.20 for a whole year. You can give more if you decide, but all I ask is $1. So patreon.com forward slash undying light. All the information can be found in the show notes below the show description on whatever podcast platform you listen to us on. And as always, we are using and utilizing Logos Bible Software as our platform to teach from. And I use this in my Bible studies. I use this for sermon prep and I use it for the podcast. I have my Bible open on one screen. I've got uh, Bible study Bibles open on another. I've got commentaries and all sorts of different things that are uh, set up right there for me at my disposal. Logos.com forward slash Undying Light. There is Logos 10 now available. You can get yourself a fantastic copy. I think this is uh, the best version of Logos that they have had, and I've been using it for a number of years now. And Logos 10, hands down, is the the smoothest working program they have released. I, I absolutely love it. So if you've never had Logos before and you've been considering it, now's the time to get it. You'll get big discounts, and you can... Get free books by using my link, logos.com forward slash undying light. And if you are upgrading your copy, you still will get significant discounts. Uh, You just don't get the free books. So that is that. Uh, As always, there's uh, some fitness stuff in my bio in the show notes and that that I talk about. I put it on my social media page. I have a fitness Instagram page. If you're interested, uh, send me a DM and I'll send you the link. I don't talk about it too much, but there's a lot there that I that I do in terms of health and keeping myself uh, up to par and hoping that uh, I will live a long and uh, healthy life without complications from allowing my body to fall into problems. Because at one point, long time ago, I was very much uh, overweight. I, w- I would step on the scale at about 315 pounds, and I'm a 5'9 height guy, so I'm not real tall. And so I was I was pretty heavy. And I got my life fixed and got a ton of weight off and had been working out for the last 12 years. And interestingly enough, when I um, was getting up to that marker, the uh, blood test that I would get would show that I was pre-diabetic. I was, I was like just mere months away from probably having some significant issues in my life. And I was able to get that corrected and fixed. So if you're interested, DM me and I'll give you all the information. I'll talk to you through some of the supplements I use uh, when I lift weights and my diet. I have no problems talking about that and the supplements and uh, the uh, any other programs that I use. So I don't want to sit here and dwell on 
those things, but I want to get into the context at hand and get you uh, your earful of Matthew. So let's dig in. We have Matthew chapter 2, the visit of the wise men. Matthew writes this, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has has been born the king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all of Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And they told him in Bethlehem of Judea. For so it is written by the prophet, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are so by are, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. And from you shall come a ruler who is the shepherd of my people. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and, asser- and asserted to them uh, from them what time the star had appeared. And he had sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for the child. When you have found him, bring him, uh, bring me word that I may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it arose before them uh, until it come to rest over the place where the child was. When, the st- when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, and frankincense, and myrrh. And being wrapped in a dream, and being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed uh, for their own country by another way. All right, so we get these wise men that show up on the scene here. uh, And uh, as mentioned, Matthew's the only one that accounts for this, but we do see... Uh, Herod's uh, uncomfortable nature uh, right out of the gate. So obviously we know Bethlehem uh, is about five miles south of Jerusalem. Uh, this is where the town that David was born in, an anointed king. This goes back to 1 Samuel 16. Uh, but then we get to this gentleman named Herod the king. So I, I think most of us as Christians would be familiar with uh you know, David or Bethlehem and kind of some of that lineage, maybe, I hope. If not, we'll probably do a study on the kings of Israel soon. Uh, but Herod the king, we, we we have very minimal information if we just take it from scripture. We have really almost none. So who is he? Why is he king? Uh, he's named king of Judea by the Roman Senate in 40 BC called the Great to distinguish him from his sons. He was a ruthless ruler whose paranoia caused him to kill family members and close associates. He likely died uh, around 1 BC, circa 1 BC. The year of Jesus' birth was calculated erroneously by later historians. And so we think Jesus was born just a little bit before this time period. So Herod will die shortly in the history of the world. Now this word repeated, uh, again, over in verse 9, alerts the reader to something startling, uh, This that behold, if we go back to verse 9, and listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it had arose in, until they had come to rest over the place that the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. So the Herod is not a Jew by heritage. He would be a Roman uh, leader, 
probably had some political influence and was uh, granted kingship over uh, Judea by the Roman Senate. So he had probably some lordship or some sort of political power in Rome, and they granted him this this title of king. And so the first opening verses in chapter 2 show his uh, uh, uncertainness. It shows that he is kind of wavering here because it says uh, he is he is troubled. And so he says uh, he assembles all of the chief priests and the scribes of the people. So he's calling the Jewish priests and the scribes, and he's trying to inquire of them. And they tell him, well, according to uh, the prophet, which would have been Micah, uh, in the fifth chapter, we see this prophecy to point to where his birth was to be announced, O Bethlehem. And from Bethlehem, because we follow the lineage of David, as we talked about a couple of weeks ago in Matthew chapter 1, when we work through the lineage uh, of the line of David, we see that Jesus, again, to be fulfilling the prophecies given by the prophets, were, were to be born in the same town as David was. And then David is anointed king, and from his lineage comes Christ, who is the king of kings. So verse 2 gives us this king of the Jews. This is a great title uh, to be given. And uh, and I think it kind of shows um, this maybe distinction uh, because these wise men, we don't know really anything about them. We don't know where they come from. Some people believe they come from uh, some lands over near China, and they have traveled for, in fact, years to reach this. Some people think that they were a little bit closer geographically, and they may have traveled, you know, a couple of months and followed it. But interesting, and I'm going to jump down in the text just a little bit, and we'll get back to this uh, king of Jews here. If we go to verse uh, 10 where they meet uh, Mary when they rejoice from the, from seeing the star, and then in verse 11 it says they go into the house and they saw the child with Mary and his mother. It doesn't give us that Jesus had been freshly born. And so if you have a nativity scene, uh, if you put the wise men right up there on the, on the, um, on the barn, then you are doing it wrong because chances are they probably came a few months after Christ had been born. And it just says going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, probably nursing, you know, he's probably an infant still. He's probably only a couple months old, and uh, Mary's caring for him, which is was quite common. And so I find that interesting uh, time-wise that we have to understand that this probably took place after con- a considerable amount of time after the birth of Christ, so probably a few months that these uh, wise men finally arrive in uh, Bethlehem and appear before Mary and uh, Jesus, and then they fall down and worship him. So this king of the Jews, right, going back to verse 2, uh, it surprises me, and and I think for anybody, that these magi would be looking for a Jewish king. We, 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 we would classify them to be Gentiles because they're not of Jewish heritage, and we, we think that, you know, they had heard these prophecies of old, and they were waiting for this because 
Jesus was the the marker that all nations were to be brought into saving grace under God. And so it could be that these magi were just, you know, a part of a, a tradition that had awaited the, you know, fulfillment of this prophecy, and they finally got to pay witness to Christ. We don't see them show back up ever again, and they're only uh, here for these short 12 verses. In fact, they're not even, you know, they really have no significant impact, but it, what it shows us is, is something gr- far greater than if we just read the text and, and allow it to just resonate in us. What we see is these Gentile people coming to worship Jesus. And, and this is the beauty that God has had in store for his people from the fall, that all people would come to worship Christ and he would be king over all people. So they follow this uh, star as they, as they proclaim here in the second verse. They say, for we saw his star when it, came, when it arose and we came to worship him. So they had obviously had some sort of prophecies or they had been given some sort of instruction on how this will come about. And so they go and uh, worship him and they're following, you know, this star, which, you know, could be some sort of astronomical phenomenon. It could be uh, a, a, the an appearance of a miraculous star. And funny enough, there are people out there that think that uh, the star of Jesus is going to return before he returns. And that's not in scripture. So this is a one time event that these uh, magi pay witness to and it is their guiding light to take them from their foreign land to meet Jesus who was to be their king. And again, it's not earthly thrones, but it is the heavenly thrones to which Jesus ascends and becomes king over all things. Uh, So they have linked the star with the Jewish king through the acquaintance with Old Testament prophecy uh, we could turn all the way back to Numbers 24 and take a look at that. Uh, the w- the notion here, or the note on when it arises is interesting because the Greek term for the east and rising is the same. So they probably came out of the east, which is why a lot of people think uh, they might have come from somewhere in the region of modern-day China. So moving on here, uh, verse 3, as I mentioned, Herod is troubled. All of Jerusalem is troubled with him. Herod uh, feared that his rule might be challenged, and the people dreaded Herod's rage. And we know that Herod was a ruthless man and very probably vile and evil. And so they were trembling because this this king had been prophesied to be born. And, of course, everybody thinks it's to be uh, freed of earthly ruleship right they want uh, the roman oppression to be dismantled by jesus when in fact jesus tells us that that was not his mission at all so jumping on here and moving along we have these chief priests we already mentioned them a little bit Uh, they are the current and or former high priests and we have scribes these are the students of god's word who interpret and taught the scriptures and would then record as well so it pays us to know that. And then we have the prophet Micah um, being quoted in verse 5 as they proclaim to Herod the prophecy of Jesus. Uh, and so really then it's pretty straight on, right? The, the Magi continue on. They uh, come to Bethlehem and they see the, uh, the, the 
child with Mary. And what we interesting before we really wrap up this section, move on to the flight of Egypt is Herod's uh, comment. Really more or less kind of a command, if you would, right? He's king. He makes these commands. He says, go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I may come and worship him. He was trying to deceive the Magi, hoping that they would expose where uh, Jesus was and that would finalize his plans to kill the infant king. When we see here the decree given just here after the Magi depart, uh, when Herod becomes uh, aware that they have disobeyed him, Herod goes on and, and rings this out and goes off to kill a bunch of children. So the flight to Egypt, starting in the 13th verse, now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, rise and take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And when he rose, he took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken out of the prophet out of Egypt. I have called my son. This is a quote from Hosea chapter 11. Herod kills the children. We're going to do these next three sections here in one lump sum, uh, and then we'll touch base on them. So then Herod, when he saw that he'd been tricked by the wise men, became furious, and he sent and killed all of the male children in Bethlehem and all of the region who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had asserted, uh, ascertained from the wise men, when they had fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, Weeping in loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children, she refused to be comforted because they were no more. But when Herod died, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Rise and take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the child's life are dead. And he arose and he took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. And when he had heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there, and being warned in a dream, he withdrew to a, dist a district of Galilee, and he went and lived in the city called Nazareth, as it was spoken by the prophets that might be fulfilled that he would be called a Nazarene. So prophecy is just saturating these texts, and I, I, I love it. I absolutely love it, because right out of the gate, we get this, uh, this last prophecy. He might be called a Nazarene. But we also have Jeremiah being quoted from Jeremiah 31, 15. Uh, we have Hosea being quoted. And, and these are direct quotes. And they don't, it doesn't articulate all of the little pieces that might be referenced from the Old Testament. But these are all direct quotes from the prophets. So uh, we, we've asserted now that Herod wants to kill, the, kill these, uh, this child. And they... Uh, are warned in a dream as Joseph and Mary are getting ready to depart back to their homeland. They're warned to go to Egypt. And so they flee about 175 miles Southwest of Jerusalem. This would be outside of Herod's jurisdiction. Joseph is told to stay in Egypt until further instruction. And so uh, there's, there's some common modern thoughts, if you would, about, uh, People who think uh, the flee the fleeing to Egypt 
has a few things that implies. One, they might think that this was a you know fulfillment of Egyptian prophecy and Jesus was you know a different type of god or, or fulfills a different type of uh you know order that the Egyptians uh may have had in their um you know theological basis. That's one of them. And in fact, there's some YouTube videos out there that say Jesus is no more than this, you know, Egyptian God or is a he's a mimicking or a uh, they have accused him as being kind of like a copycat, if you would, of these other Egyptians. And they even say, well, he had to flee to Egypt and blah, blah. You know, they make these really terrible uh, stories. The other side of it, especially in the m- mainstream progressive movement today, is that. Jesus is now an immigrant <laughs> and, uh, and we should be treating immigrants in the same way we treat Jesus. Well, they killed Jesus. I don't think we should treat immigrants in that same manner. I'm just saying they killed Jesus and, uh, we shouldn't kill immigrants. That's not our command. So they will attest that Jesus had to flee to Egypt and stay there. Now we don't know where, where Joseph goes. We, uh, some theologians think that there had, he had family or friends there in Egypt. Uh, probably acquaintances would be more or less of the appropriate term. And he goes there and he stays there. And we aren't given a definitive time on uh, how long. But if we associate Herod's death with 1 BC, it was probably only a couple of weeks' time. And so we... We see that uh, this doesn't quite fulfill the progressive lineage as well as they want it to. Um, Jesus is simply a part of this fleeing for the safety of his life. And and then he comes back to his homeland uh, after Herod is killed or dies. So the um, this notion here in these verses, uh, you know, up to where Herod finally will die. This death of Herod uh, is, again, quoted in retrospect to Hosea. Uh, The Lord referred to Israel as my son, whom he called out of Egypt at the time of the Exodus. Jesus is named here as God's one and only son, who is a representation and substitute for all of Israel. God would also call his son out of Egypt to redeem his sinful people. So that takes us to the flight of Egypt. Now let's look at Herod killing the children. Uh, Always a difficult passage to read by anybody, but it is one that we must cross. Uh, He sees that the Magi have tricked him. He's angry. Uh, He's probably very, very, very rageful. And because the text tells us, he says it become, he became furious and, uh, you know, if I know anything about anger, I know that he was probably throwing stuff around in his room, cursing and screaming and demanding that uh, his plan be fulfilled and all these children are to be murdered. So the original intentions were to send the Magi to get information about where this Jesus was so he could go and have Jesus murdered. But they decide to go along a different route home and... Uh, they leave a different path. Now, it's interesting here in this latter part of the text. It tells us uh, that he goes and has children two years and under, two years old and under. And so this figure probably reflects how long it had been since the Magi 
first saw the star. Since Herod did not know which young boy might be the potential rival, he ordered a mass killing of all the male children up to two years old in Bethlehem and the surrounding region. These young boys, traditionally called the Holy Innocents, are regarded as the first martyrs in the New Testament. And that, that just hits hard, right? You know, as being a father of, of a little boy, he's a year old, he would have been, you know, a part of that if we had been living in this time period and living in Bethlehem, of course. But, you know, it just shows that the age uh, for some of these monsters just does not matter. They don't care. But what we get is a time frame with this, if we were to acknowledge that probably by the time uh, the Magi arrive here in seeking this Jesus from the star to the time that Herod realizes he's been tricked, we're probably about two years or so of time. And he probably sets the threshold maybe a little bit higher. And so we can say, well, maybe uh, it was about a year to a year and a half. And so he just sets the threshold at two years and makes that determination that Jesus may have been born earlier and he is going to go out and and, uh, slaughter these innocent children. And I think that helps us to understand that, you know, the flight of Egypt, you know, kind of in this whole cascading picture of time from the birth of Christ to the Magi coming, we're probably anywhere between, you know, a couple of weeks to six months of time from the birth to the Magi. And then we've got maybe even another undisclosed amount of time. It could be up to a year between the flight of Egypt happening. And then we have... Um, probably the, the, the ordering of the murders uh, happening shortly thereafter. And so you're probably at about a year and a half after the birth of Christ. It, it just kind of throwing out a, a random dart in the air. But, you know, if we want to try to put a time frame on it, it doesn't really matter, honestly, because it doesn't matter whether Jesus was six months old or, you know, eight months old. Uh, it, it helps us to maybe see how things kind of come together and if we assert that Herod dies in 1 BC, he probably died shortly thereafter because in verse 19 it tells us, but when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt. So we know Herod is dead and we know he has um, murdered these children, these holy innocents. And we know that this could have probably happened right around in the same time period. And was it God that struck him down? could have been god may have ended his life very easily god is the one who controls the amount of breath in our lungs and the amount of heartbeats we get in a life he knows us from birth to death and everything in between so we would venture to say that god uh had ended his life we don't know again any of the circumstances around his death from scripture not anything to deal with it's all speculative at this juncture but what we see is this time period probably happening fairly close to um, the time period of Herod killing the children. So we're, you know, Jesus is probably only a couple years old. Um, but what we get is Jesus. If we go to Luke and read the rest of Luke chapter two, we see uh, Jesus going up to the temple at the age of 12 and, and staying in Jerusalem there. And so we know that Jesus had obviously come back to Nazareth as the text tells us. And we know that he probably did so at a young age because his family 
and him have made frequent trips to Jerusalem by the time he was 12 and would go up for Passover and all of these other feasts and they would partake in all that. And so this was not an uncommon thing for them. And uh, so we, we know that he probably wasn't very old when he is bringing, when he's, you know, called back to uh, Nazareth and he does so through the uh, angel who appears to command Joseph what to do. So that wraps really uh, chapter two. Uh, next week, we just skip all of the, of the adolescent life of Jesus and we come right to uh, John the Baptist preparing the way. And I, I love John the Baptist. This is an absolute fascinating topic to deal with. And uh, I'm very excited for it. I, I'm excited for everything. I love Matthew. It's a fantastic gospel. It's a, he's a, he was a wonderful scribe. And he really captures such beauty and eloquence in uh, the scriptures here. So uh, tune in next week. We will deal with Matthew chapter 3 as we continue our journey working through this holy gospel. And, of course, the Tuesday episodes have been ended. Uh, That little portion of the series has concluded itself. And uh, we might reconvene and pick some stuff up next year. But uh, as of now, it's just going to be Friday shows going forward. Uh, you will have Tuesday episodes uh, that will continue to be released until the second or third week in November. In fact, I can probably even tell you now if I just go look. Uh, November 8th is the last uh, episode to be released on Tuesday. So that will be the last one. We finish it up uh, with worship. We've got free will and predestination coming out tomorrow. As I record this, the 18th of October. So today's the 17th. Uh, and then we've got justification and sanctification and then the sacraments and then worship. So we did a whole episode on all of the sacraments and then we concluded with a uh, episode on worship. Those have all been recorded and available for my patrons for a number of weeks. And the, uh, show will, continue with just friday only episodes for the foreseeable future so thanks for tuning in ladies and gentlemen have a great week get to church on sunday god bless i love you thank you for listening to dynamite i'll see you later A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.